Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. All right, so we are doing Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I love that David wrote this because he didn't write, the Lord is my shepherd when it's convenient for me. Or, the Lord is my shepherd when it makes sense. Or, the Lord is my shepherd when I get what I want. He boldly declared, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will not lack because he will care for me. Now, this is a bold boast and a bold declaration of unconditional surrender, trust, and contentment. So I got to do some research on sheep and shepherds this week. And it was actually kind of cool because if there is a good shepherd, the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd is super dear. If he's not a good shepherd, well, less dear. But fun facts about sheep. You know, sheep are basically defenseless. So pretty much everything terrifies them. And their only option is to run in blind panic and hope somebody's slower. Right? Dose. The other thing I learned about sheep is um, sheep are creatures of habit and routine. They will find a lovely patch of grass. Then they will go back to the lovely patch of grass until it becomes a patch of dirt. And then do you know what they do? They go to the patch of dirt because they are creatures of habit and routine. Another thing about sheep is this. They have like a herd or a mob mentality. So wherever the lead sheep goes, there the rest of the flock goes. That's why you get patches of dirt because they all go find it. Sheep need a good shepherd. They are utterly dependent on a good shepherd. A good shepherd knows his sheep. A good shepherd's job is to provide for them, to protect protect them so that they can thrive, so that they can succeed. Now, unconditional surrender, trust, and contentment. That's a big ask, right? I would say so. But when we know who it is who makes the ask, we can respond with unconditional surrender, trust, and contentment. God is the one who made you. He's the one who designed you and knows every inch of your being. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he picks you. God's the one who sent his son, Jesus, to come and die on the cross to redeem you because you are so valuable to him that he would give it all up for you. It says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He didn't die because he messed up. He died because he chose us and we messed up. 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's also completely committed to your good. He is with you 100% of the way. It says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, he understands Jesus. He understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, in every way, just as we are, and conquered sin. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. He didn't just make you and then be like, good luck, kid, little sheepy, hope they don't eat you, make good choices. But he made you, he chose you, he redeemed you, And then he says, I'm in it with you. One of the things that I just loved so much when I found out about it was sheep are really afraid, right? That's not the part I love. They're really afraid. But when it's a good shepherd and he walks out among his sheep, the flock settles. They calm when the shepherd is there because they know they're safe. He's with us. We can do this. He'll take care of us. And I know I need that reminder. I was telling somebody this week, I've been studying this, and I just, this whole week, have been like, Lord, I'm your little sheepy, and you're my shepherd. Show me what to do. And he does. Philip Keller said, I belong to him simply because he deliberately chose to create me as the object of his own affection. When we know who he is, we can choose unconditional surrender, trust, and contentment. (laughs) As I was listening to Pastor Christina, it just kind of clicked with me uh, differently than it had before. In verse 2, it says, he leadeth me beside the still waters. It doesn't say that he leadeth me beside the class 5 rapids, because that would probably scare sheep. But he leads them beside the still waters. He makes them to lie down in green pastures. It is the, the essence of the picture of peace. If you've ever had the opportunity to be, you know, in that type of an environment where you've been working hard hiking or you've been just working hard and you get an opportunity to just sit down and relax beside a, a stream that uh, is surrounded by a meadow or just green grass. It, it just enables you to relax in a whole different way than you could uh, if, again, if you were beside class five rapids. You can't even hear yourself think. But, but God creates this word picture because he wants us to understand that the good shepherd is always leading us to a place of safety and to a place of absolute peace. 
Uh, I'm sure that you've noticed that the environment that we're living in at this time is a little bit on the fearful side uh, for many people. And uh, God doesn't want us to live in that fear where it controls us. He wants us to put all of our hope, all of our trust in him because he wants to give us what we need. He is the good shepherd. And he wants to instill and infuse us with this peace. And so uh, everything that he does is a leading us in the direction of peace in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, actually in verse chapters 13 through 16, uh, the disciples are coming to a realization that everything that Jesus has told them about his destiny here on earth, that he is going to be sacrificed, he's going to be crucified for the redemption of our lives, uh, they're beginning to, to get a picture that that is exactly what is about to happen. And so Jesus knows that they're in fear over this, and, and, and so he, what he's doing is he's wanting to create an environment of peace for them. So he begins by promising them the Holy Spirit, and uh, in uh, John 14, verse 26, He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I don't know about you, but when I read the word of God and I allow it to speak in my heart, it brings peace. It doesn't bring fear. And so what Jesus is wanting them to understand and wanting them to do is to turn their focus upon his word and his promise. Because in verse 27, he said, my peace. I want you to think about that statement. Jesus said, my peace. What kind of peace did Jesus have? What kind of peace does he have to offer us if it's the exact same thing that he had? It is peace that will set you free from fear. But he said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I don't know about you, but the world doesn't offer us much peace. It's incapable of offering us peace. Jesus is the essence of peace. So our peace must come from him. Uh, It's not like the world gives. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, or never let it become fearful. And, you know, I, I know that in my own strength, that is difficult, if not impossible. But in the strength of Jesus Christ, who lives on the inside of us, all things are possible. 
And when he says, trust and live in my peace, that peace will overwhelm and take care of any fear that comes against us. I'm not saying you'll never be afraid of anything, but the peace of Christ will overwhelm it and remove it out of our lives. Psalm 23.3 out of the Amplified Version says this, He refreshes and restores my soul or my life. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, in this verse, we not only see what the good shepherd does for us, but we see where the good shepherd leads us. That phrase refreshes and restores literally means brings back to life restores life to my soul, restores life to my spirit. And when it says that he leads us in paths of righteousness, it's saying that he leads us in the right paths, the paths of wisdom, the paths of righteousness. But this only happens whenever we give up control. The good shepherd restores, he refreshes and he leads, but only when we release. I have a question for you today. Has anybody uh, or does anybody enjoy watching uh, like home restoration shows? Anybody out there? Okay, I see lots of hands. Basically anything on HGTV, like that's what I'm talking about, right? I have a confession. I actually love those shows. I love them, okay? And I heard somebody say, oh, hey, okay, I love them. And it's because of the creativity. It's because of the fact that they take something, these companies, these shows, they take something that once was beautiful or once was great when it was first created or first built, and they restore it to its former glory and, in fact, refresh it beyond what it was when it was first created, you see these houses, they've been used. They've been used up. They've been lived in. They've been abused maybe even by some people, by some families. And yet these companies come in and completely restore and refresh these homes to be absolutely beautiful and bring new life. In fact, this happened in uh, my extended family's home. In fact, uh, me and Kim, we share an extended family because we're cousins. Uh, the Franklins um, in Fort Worth, Texas, they owned this house, basically all of our family. You can go ahead and put it up. All of our family has either lived and or spent time. That's not the first one, but that's okay. There we go. Has lived or uh, spent time in this house. Many a family gathering all the way until I was like 30 years old, we spent in this particular house. So here it is when my last aunt and uncle lived here. Go ahead and switch. This is when it was first restored on the outside. Okay, pretty cool. Uh, then secondly, it was restored again on the outside. And this is what it looks like now. Completely unrecognizable. I could drive down Lipscomb Street, Lipscomb Street and never never, ever recognize this particular house. This is my favorite part. If you go in, you'll see the kitchen here. Um, and it did not look like this whenever we lived in there, just so you know. Um, go ahead and switch it. We got the kitchen. Uh, two more slides of the kitchen because I want you to see this transformation. And then lastly, here is what it looks like now in the kitchen absolutely amazing, absolutely beautiful, unrecognizable. Here's the bathroom just because it looks really nice and the tub is original to the house. It looks cool. Then we've got one of the bedrooms. You can kind of see what it used to look like. And then we've got what my playroom when I was four years old looks like now. 
absolutely unrecognizable. This company came in, bought the house from my aunts and uncles or from my aunt and uncle and completely restored it. You see, it wasn't because my aunt and uncle didn't try. They tried to restore this house. Many a cousin and aunt and uncle tried to restore this house and got some work done on it, but it wasn't until they handed it over to the professionals that it actually got completely finished and made it far more beautiful than they ever could have had on their own because they did not have the resources or the time to be able, or the expertise to be able to finish it. And I think it's a perfect picture of what God does in our lives. You see, we try so hard to fix up our own life. We try to bring restoration and refreshing to our own soul. We try so hard to lead our own selves in the paths of righteousness. If I just do this, this, and this, then I'll be good. But yet it leaves us worn out. It leaves us completely depleted. And God is saying, if you would just give it away, If you would just let the expert take over, I could refresh and I could restore you. And the last part is this. We lead, uh, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, when Sixth Avenue Homes bought this house to restore it, they did not only do it so that uh, the, the family that would live in it would have a nice home. They didn't only do it so that they would have a, this family would have a great investment and one day maybe sell the house for three times that it was worth and send their kids to college and make great memories. That wasn't the only reason that Sixth Avenue Homes bought this house and restored it. In fact, the main reason is to make their business name great. The main reason was so that they could continue to restore other homes in the neighborhood. And you see, it's the same way with God. God restores, refreshes, and leads us in paths of righteousness, not just, for, not just so we will be fixed up, but so that we will praise his glorious name, so that we call him good shepherd, so that we can lead other people to him as well. So that when people see the way that we used to live and they see the way that we live now, they can only say, wow, someone must have restored and refreshed and, and renewed your life. The good shepherd restores, refreshes, and leads, but only when we release. So my question is, what will you release today? And one more thought before I go. I saw this picture, this meme on Facebook of this sheep that had grown so fluffy. He walked off from his herd and he grew so fluffy that you could not even see his face. I mean, the sheep was like this, okay? His fur was all the way around him and you could not see the sheep. But what it said was that when a wolf tried to come and attack this sheep, it was so fluffy. Its fur had grown so much that the wolf tried to sink its teeth in but yet there was I don't have a wolf story or a sheep story (laughs) who are you walking with who are you walking with not the person you sit next to who are you walking with in Psalms 23, 4, it says this, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will feel, fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This brings me to my first point. If you're taking notes, write this down. Know who you are walking with. God is with us. In Deuteronomy 31, 8, it says this, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Know who's with you. Listen, church, 
We are living in dark times right now with COVID, racial tensions, injustice, political disagreements, the list goes on, but we have hope because God is with us. He will see us through everything. God, the creator of the universe, God, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, he is with us. Even in hard times, we can hear God because he is with us. So my question to you, church, who are you listening to? Are we listening to Facebook? Are we listening to the news? Are we listening to our friends? Do you know who's with you during these times? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Know who's with you. Know who's with you. That word fear, fear is there. Fear is there and it says this about fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. So what is true? Here's what's true. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says this, For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In Isaiah 41.10, he says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. These are the promises that we can rely on. God's word is what is true. We should not be afraid because God is with us. And that brings me to my second point is this, ready? Trust the process of the one you're walking with. Trust the process and the one that you're walking with. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff. A rod is defined as this, as a club or a throwing stick to defend against predators. A rod is used for dis discipline, disciplining a wayward sheep. In a sense, the word of God is the rod. When you're walking through hard times, remember you have the greatest weapon and that is the word of God. A staff is defined as this, rounding up sheep into a flock, guiding sheep by applying pressure to an individual's flank. I have a quote here from a pastor. Uh, a pastor. He's a good friend of mine. He's a coach. He's a mentor. Um, he's actually going to be coming here this Wednesday to Summit Youth on one night. And if, if you're a student in here, one night's going to be awesome. That's this Wednesday. Doors open at 645. There's going to be um, Apple Watches given away and iPads. That's the only youth announcement that I'm going to make right now. But Pastor Aaron wrote a book on Psalm 23. And, he, and this is what he said in Psalm 23. He says this, God's word... And God's presence will always serve as the primary weapons of both defense and offense for our lives. Without them, we are powerless to face giants. Offense and defense, a rod and a staff, the word of God, the staff is this, ready? Represents the Holy Spirit. He leads us, he guides us, and he helps us. And that brings me to my last point is this, trust in the one you are walking with. Trust in the one you are walking with. Thy comfort me. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The King James Version says this, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter 
that may abide with you forever, meaning that will live inside of you forever. In the valley of the shadow of death, do you fear or do you trust? Do you fear or do you trust? Listen, we should trust Jesus, our shepherd. He's our comforter. He's our rock. He's our helper. He's our partner. He's our healer. He's the one who spoke life into this darkened war world. He has the final say. He's our source. He is all we need. He is with us. Amen. I just want to see if I open my mouth if it was start. Um, in verse 5, we see the shepherd. We see Jesus not only as our shepherd, but as a host, as, as king. Verse 5 says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's a personal invitation for you and your shepherd to meet at the table. For myself and my shepherd to meet at the table to have a meal. But this word table does not just refer to any meal, it's referring to a feast. The shepherd has prepared a feast, a full-blown feast. So I don't know what you're hungry for right now, but you can picture it right now, like a feast, something like this that's going to pop up on the screen, a feast, right? For me, shrimp, Thai food, whatever. But you and your shepherd sharing a meal, sharing a feast, and as I sit with my shepherd and I, I look at this feast that he prepared for me, I'm like, God, this is so much more that I, than I need. This is so much more than I need. And that's the point, because the shepherd provides all that you need and more than you need. And I think it's just beautifully placed that as we've come out of the valley of the shadow of death, like Pastor Ricky said in verse 4, that the, the shepherd doesn't have this loaf of bread like, here you go, this will be enough, have some carbs. <laughs> no, he's, he's like, come over here, come this way. I've been preparing something for you. I've, I've got a feast for you. And clearly, he's not embarrassed that we are his. He's not embarrassed that we're with him for this meal because it's out in the open. It's not in private. It's in the presence of the, our enemies, right? And Pastor Todd had said that we once were enemies. The Bible makes it clear that there are enemies. There are those that hate and oppose God. But at the root of it all, at the end of the day, our war isn't against each other. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against one enemy, the enemy of our souls. And he comes to devour the sheep, to devour the shepherd's flock, to devour the people. He'll look for any crack that he can find in our relationships, in our character, in our thinking, to take us out. And Jesus says this in John 10.10, 10, the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. See, when, when we are at the table with our shepherd, we are protected. The enemy cannot get us, right? Even our enemy watches as our shepherd delights in us. Even our enemy watches as our shepherd provides for us and cares for us and gives us everything that we need and more. In the middle of the battle, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the conflict, we can eat, we can rest with our shepherd. And not only that, he wants to feast with us. The shepherd wants to feast with us. It doesn't honor the feast giver for you to sit across from the table and say, nah, I don't deserve this. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna receive what you're giving me. If you come to my house and I lay out this wonderful meal, this frozen pizza, no, I'm just kidding, this wonderful meal before you that I have worked hard to prepare for you and you say, you know what, Steph, I never thought you liked me. I don't, 
I don't know if you really like me, and I don't deserve a meal like this. I'm not worthy, so I'm not going to receive what you're trying to give me. I'm going to say, I've been looking forward to spending time with you. I've prepared this just for you. All of the resources that I have, I've, I'm giving them to you. I'm preparing this for you, blessing you. But our shepherd can, can place a feast before us, and we can say, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn this. I'm not, I can't partake. And I believe that he says, no, you didn't earn it, but I'm the good shepherd, and I laid down my life for my sheep. I laid down my life to give you everything that you need and more. I laid down my life so that I could give generously to you so that you could have life and life abundantly. And so feast with me. Come and feast with me. This is who I am. This is who I've always been. So you can come to the table and say, God, God, today on this table, I need a feast for some of your grace. I need some of your grace today for 2020. God, I need, I need self-control today, God, for my job. I need this today, and thank you for giving it to me. I'm going to take it. Thank you for giving generously. The next part says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. During this time, people in mourning who were coming out of the valley of the shadow of death, they would be in mourning, and you could see that by the sackcloth and ashes that, that they wore. And as they're moving towards gladness, coming out of the valley, they would anoint themselves with oil to show we're coming out, we're moving towards gladness. But when someone else anointed you with oil, when someone else anoints you with oil, um, when a host anoints you with oil, it was to show that you are the guest of honor, that you are a prized relationship. And so as you, fit, as you feast at the table, the Lord comes towards you, pouring oil on your head, showing everybody, even your enemy, that you are his guest of honor that you are his prized relationship. You are his beloved and he takes your cup and he pours into it out of his fullness and abundance and everything that he has. And your cup doesn't just fill to the top. It pours out over. It is overflowing more than you need. And in the same way, his anointing on your life, his kindness and his goodness are meant to produce overflowing joy, overflowing peace, overflowing hope that it spills out, that it pours over onto the lives of the people around you. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Psalm 23, 6 says this, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, um, you start with this passage, this very first word says surely, and this feels like a throwaway word, but it's not at all. This word is used in a couple of ways. It can either be used as an emphatic or a restrictive statement, and this is an emphatic statement. So, so what David is saying is surely, uh, basically what he's saying is because of what we've seen already, I am convinced that this next statement is true. So he says because of what we've seen in verses one through five already, he says I'm convinced that surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So he, he is convinced of this. And so many times we as believers, we live a life where we're not sure, we're not convinced that surely the goodness and unfailing love of the Lord will pursue us all the days of our lives. We're, we just want to make it to heaven or whatever it might be. But David is convinced in this moment, in spite of what he's been through, the ups and the downs, the heartache, the sorrow, all the different things that, that God is in hot pursuit of his soul. 
This word pursue here, I love it. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's radoth. And radoth means to pursue, to put to flight, to chase, to attend closely upon. And it also means to per- persecute or harass. And it's interesting when you think about it in these terms that, that David would say, uh, that, that the goodness and the unfailing love of the Lord will persecute us or harass us. But it's interesting because when you look at this in context, he understood the pursuit. Um, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, in one of his defining moments when he is facing off, he's about to face off against Goliath, he goes to Saul and he's trying to convince Saul to let him fight Goliath. And what he says is, hey, when I was, uh, when I was a shepherd boy and a bear would come and it would capture one of the lambs from the flock, or a lion would come and it would capture one of the lambs from the flock. These animals were pursuing the, the creatures that he was supposed to be protecting. And he said they would, they would come and get them and leave and I would chase them down. I would go hunt them down. So he understood that nature, these animals were pursuing him and pursuing the things that he was, he was entrusted to guard against and protect. But, but it's not just that. He also understood pursuit in his life. He understood what it meant to be an outlaw, what it meant for the king to be out to get him. He understood the desperation that was felt when somebody is bearing down on you and, and what that must be like. He also understood the, the determination of being the pursuer. Because what we see in 1 Samuel 17, after he slays Goliath, the, the, the Israelites had this renewed passion and excitement. And it says that they pursue, they rud off after the Philistines, and they don't stop. They're relentless. And so David uses this word, I think, very intentionally to, to flip the script and say, hey, I've been accustomed to being pursued by nature, by creatures, by animals. I've been, I've been accustomed to being pursued by, um, by the king and by my enemies and people out to get me. And he said, but now I I recognize and I understand in light of what I've learned that surely the goodness and the loving kindness, the faithful love of God will pursue me. So no longer am I going to be pursued by my enemies, but now I'm going to be chased after relentlessly by the goodness and the, the loving kindness of God. And I love the fact that he has this conviction and he says, no longer am I going to be pursued by my enemies. This is what is going to be chasing after me. He goes on to say in this last part, he says, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Um, Back in June, we did a series called Welcome Home. And in that series, we talked about the word home and it's bayit in the Hebrew. And it's talking about not just the physical structure, but it's also talking about the culture of the home. And I don't know about you, but, but when I go see my mom, uh, my mom takes good care of me. I'll go home and I'm not Pastor Mel to her. I'm not, I'm not dad. I'm not anything. I'm just baby boy. That's who I am to her. And I'll go to my mom's house and she'll have my ice cream, uh, uh, chocolate toffee ice cream, my favorite ice cream from my favorite ice cream place. She'll have it in the freezer waiting for me. She'll cook some of my favorite food while I'm there. She'll make sure I'm resting well. She's taking care of me while I'm there. She's looking out for me while I'm there. And, and I just think about this and I think David had been on the run. He had so much turmoil in his life. And he came to this place where he said, I just want to be in my father's house. And I don't want to just visit there once in a while. I want to experience the culture of my father's house all the days of my life. And that's possible. It's not about visiting a location, but it's about having the culture of heaven in our hearts, having the culture of our father's house in us, that we experience it every day, all the time. That's what I want for you today. Surely the goodness and the unfailing love of the Lord will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, at this time, I want to turn it over to Pastor Todd. He's going to finish out the rest of this message today. What a good word for us today, man. Yeah.
So there are a couple of things that I'd like to do as we get ready to go today. The first one is this. I believe that there are many of you maybe in the room today, or maybe you're watching online and this this applies to you. You're a follower of Jesus and, and you've been walking with the Good Shepherd, but you have forgotten maybe just who you're walking with. You've forgotten maybe that this is a God who prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That this is a shepherd who leads us into peace. That this is the one who goes with us through the valley of the shadow of death to comfort us so that we don't have to be afraid. And maybe you're here today and you're in the middle of a difficult situation. Maybe you're facing a a difficult diagnosis, or maybe you're struggling with your job right now because of all that's gone on and is going on in our world. Maybe you're just unsettled in your spirit because of the, the, the turmoil that's all around us right now. Maybe you're having difficulty in your marriage or in your family. Maybe you're a parent who's got a child who is rebelling and maybe is far from God and, and you're concerned about them today. I want to remind you that the good shepherd is with you. That he's promised that he would never leave or forsake you. And that his promise is that he is always working for his glory and for our good. So if that's you today, if you say, Todd, I needed a reminder today and I need God to intervene in my situation. If that's you, can you just raise your hand right there where you're at? Hold it up real high. So here's what I'd like to do. We don't have our worship team, our, our prayer team up here to pray with you during this time, but that doesn't mean we can't pray with you and for you, right? So if you're nearby, one of these that's got their hands raised, I want you just to reach your hand out toward them. We're gonna agree together and believe that God is going to intervene in their situation. So Lord, we lift these friends up, this family up right now. And we ask that you would move, that you would intervene, that you would, God, prove yourself mighty, that you would remind them that you are the shepherd, the good shepherd who walks with them. That though they may feel they are in the shadow of death today, there is no need for them to be afraid because you are there to comfort, to direct, to guide that you are more than enough and you are more than able, that you prepare a feast in the presence of our enemies. So Lord, no matter what it looks like today, if it looks like their enemy has gotten the upper hand, if it looks like the situation is too great, if they feel like they are overwhelmed, you are with them. So Lord, whatever it may be today, if it's an issue physically, if it's a financial issue, if it's an issue in their family, if it's a child, if it's anxiety and worry, whatever it may be, you are more than enough. So Holy Spirit, right now, draw close. And let them know that you're with them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you would, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute. And in 1893, um, there was an English poet and writer named Francis Thompson, and he wrote a poem called The Hound of Heaven. 
and it has 182 lines and I would like to recite them all right now. <laughs> I'm kidding, but uh, the thrust of the poem is this. Here's, here's what it comes down to. Francis Thompson writes about his life in this poem and he writes about his experience of having run from God. That he ran from God and, and ran in every direction except toward the one who could rescue him, who could save him, who could restore him. And then he describes, and this is the term that he actually uses for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven that pursued him until the hound of heaven got his prey, right? Until he captured the one that he was after. And Pastor Mel talked to us about that last part of Psalm 23 that God redoff, right? That, that the goodness and mercy of God pursues us. It hounds us. It comes after us. And I want you to know today that if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, that that same good shepherd, that hound of heaven has pursued you to this moment and that he is calling out to you today to come and to find peace, that he's prepared a table for you today and he's inviting you to come and to sit with him, to know him, And to say, Lord, I am yours. So if that's you today, you say, Todd, today is my day. The good shepherd, the hound of heaven has pursued me. And today is the day I'm giving my life to him. If that's you, can you slip your hand up right where you are? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward or anything like that. I just want to be able to pray with you and agree with you about what God's doing in your heart. Thank you up there in the balcony. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you again up in the balcony. Thank you. Praise God. Anyone else? Say, Todd, today is the day I'm giving my life, giving my life to God. All right, so here's what I'd like to do. Whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching online, if you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but there's something going on in your heart and you know that today's your day. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want everyone in the room to pray together with us. It's just a prayer of dedication and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the good shepherd, that you laid your life down for me. Today, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Teach me to follow you. From this day forward, I am yours. Thank you for pursuing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate what God's done today? If you raise your hand, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I want you to know something. The Word of God says that when one sinner repents, when one person comes to faith in Jesus, that all of heaven rejoices. So there's a party going on in heaven right now for you. And we celebrate along with that. And I would love for you to do me a favor. If you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, 
Again, whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching online, I want you to do me a favor. Text the word different to the number 94,000. What we want to be able to do is put some resources in your hand to help you to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. means to follow Jesus, to experience the life that he's promised for us. And we want to celebrate with you what God has done and is doing in your heart. So again, text the word different to 94,000. I'm so proud of you today. And I know, I know that God is doing a good work in you. Uh, As we close today, I'd like to do something a little bit different. Uh, This is not our typical practice, but I felt like today that I wanted to, to speak a blessing over you. Uh, a formal benediction, right? We don't usually do that, but I want to speak a blessing over you today. This is my heart and my prayer for you as we go. God, go before you to lead you. God, go behind you to protect you. God, go beneath you to support you. God, go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. May the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.